Welcome, Justin Spaulding, episode nine. If you don't know who I am, entrepreneur, businessman, real estate dude, Wisconsin, we have 700 apartments, valued around 100 million bucks, and we owner, uh, we, we own them slash manage them. We've got about 65 investors um, that invest with us. And uh, yeah, we're looking at new deals. I went and looked at a new deal today. Put an LOI in on one today. If I get to it today, hopefully today. Um, and then we started a painting company, just a little bit more about me. Started a painting company in March 2020. The world ended, so I'm like, hey, start a painting company. We did, we're having a little bit of success there. It's going pretty pretty well. Um, but yeah, every single day, we're putting out some fires. That's what I had to do just now. I had to put out a little fire. We're running 20 minutes late. So sorry for the delay. If this was on your schedule, 25 minutes late, something like that. Let's get into the first question. And we're not, this is, you know, so wait, all right. So the, to have multiple streams, because we were going to do that today. That was our goal today. Right. And we didn't know that I had to sign in until just now or yeah, what? Yeah. Okay. So after this, we'll, we'll get yeah, into multi-stream. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do we know if it can be my page and my personal yeah, page? Okay, one or the other. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll alternate it and 100%. we'll see what, what works. So we'll be able to stream on YouTube live, on Facebook live. Can you do Twitch? Twitch, okay. LinkedIn can yeah. go live? Was it LinkedIn? I don't know if I can go live on LinkedIn because can anyone just go live on LinkedIn right now? I don't know if my status is like, I don't know if I'm at elite status to go live on LinkedIn. What other ones can we go live on? 30 plus network. Look at this. We're strategic. We're strategizing the podcast <laughs> while we're live on the podcast. LinkedIn. What else? Rattle them off real quick. Over 30. Well, we got to figure out a few more so we can cut, try to broadcast, broadcast everywhere. All right, let's get into the first question. <clears throat> um, what type of property for the second deal? Another flip or do you mean go bigger immediately? So this was a question that came from uh, one of my Instagram posts that I had over the last couple of days, I think where I was talking about if you do go small, this is what you should do. And basically just talking about getting in and get it out. Um, so what type of property for the second deal another flip or do you mean go bigger immediately? I think it just depends on the situation, right? Because if you have another once again flipping I've kind of shared my opinion on this and I'll just share it again flipping to me is not really investing like yeah It's a way to invest but I view that more of a business. It's it's more of a business than um, Investing when we go and buy a 200 unit apartment building that we're gonna plan on holding for Three, five, six, ten, twelve, fifteen. That's to me. That's more of investing. Anytime you're going to look at, at a flip, it's more of like a business. There's a way. There's ways to make money there, but it's not actually investing. It's an operational type thing. It's a business thing um, that you can make money from. Take some of that money, go do another flip, or start to take some of that money and go put it into more long-term investments. Right. So I think the answer to this question is um, the, the, the second deal. What type of property for the second deal is just what's 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 available? What are you running into? You know, do you have another uh, deal that you can just get into right away and go flip to once again turn? You know, you're doing your first one. You take 20, you turn the 20 into 60. Now, what are you going to do with that 60? How are you going to allocate it? Right. If you can take the 60, maybe you go two, go two, uh, go and do two more flips. Right. Third, you put 30 into each. Right. And now maybe you you sell both of those flips right away. And now maybe you've got 120 or 150 thousand. Right. So don't think that you have to right away scale up. But ultimately, the goal should be to any time that you're in something that's small, the smaller the unit or the smaller the unit size of the property, the, the quicker that I want to be in and out of that with the mindset of wait, if 
But wait, if things go bad, I'm okay with holding on to this property for 30 years if I have to because things are bad enough, right? So you want to be able to get into something that's small, one unit, two unit, four unit, eight unit, 16 unit, get out within 18 months after you add the value. If it's a single family house, obviously you want to be like more of a hold time, like three months, get in, get out, move on to the next project, right? But as you get to a little bit bigger, maybe like we have a 10 unit, we've had it for coming up on two years, we've, we just listed it. Right. So that one, we're trying to get in and out to take the capital, go do another deal like that or go put the capital in something that's a value add, but a longer term hold more of an actual uh, investment. So I don't mean bigger immediately when I'm talking about starting small. It's but it's just like, what's that next deal? Right. And then ultimately, your mindset should be more doors at one site is better. It's safer. Um, There's more upside. There's 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 operating efficiencies. There's less headache. Et cetera, et cetera. Make sense? That can probably help you because you're, clo- no, yeah, yeah. you're closing in a week on a seven unit, right? Yeah. So, and we've already talked about your seven unit a little bit. Next question. Hey, we got 15 people live on Instagram. What do we got on YouTube? No, are we even streaming right now on YouTube? Yeah, I'm watching. Are we sure? Yeah, I'm positive. All right, we're. Unless I'm watching someone else. All right. Next question is why? Why is a duplex better than a single family if they are both the same price for purchase and brings the same amount of money return cash flow? Is it because of safety of a tenant to leave or yes? So, to me, I I like I like to be able to get in unique deals or you know deals where I have flexibility. Right. If I have a single family home, I don't have much flexibility. Flexibility meaning if if something happens to the one tenant. You know, especially like right now, it's hard to evict people. If I have one house, they decide not to pay rent. That house, what, what like, okay, I got one tenant. Like, and they're not paying rent. I can't evict them right now because eviction moratoriums with COVID. What the heck am I going to do? But if I have 80 units, let's just go back to his question. If I have a duplex, maybe one side stops paying, the other side's paying. That other side will likely still float the whole thing. You won't have to put money into the deal. So I like to have some diversity at the property sometimes or just different options, different streams. It's like the storage unit deal that we did. The reason that I love that deal was the first one was that it wasn't just storage units. I'm looking around and there was like five contractor shops. There was a 4,000 square foot um, uh, shop space warehouse that we could rent out. There was a, there was a billboard that was paying rent every month. Um, you know, I'm looking at a property right now for our next future office and it's like 40,000 square feet. But about a quarter of it, I could rent out. I could rent out more than that if I wanted to versus if it's just a single tenant building, I'm never looking at a 40,000 square foot place right now for our own office that I can't be creative with, right? So when you have more options, when you have, um, when you have you know, more units, more options, you have some, you can use more creativity, right? And I love being able to use creativity in deal. I've always said deal making is just like an art form. Um, and Whenever you have that creativity, it gives you a little bit more of the leverage. It, 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 it takes, I feel like it takes a little bit of the risk off the table. So when we bought those storage units and the actual storage part of it was a lot of those were actually vacant. Um, it gave me peace of mind knowing that I, I didn't just have storage there. By the way, the storage units also had five apartments on site. So there was all these different, all these different ways that we could play the deal and have success. And so. That's why I say, you know, a duplex is better than a single family. A four unit is better than a duplex. A eight unit is better than the four. 16 is better than eight. 32 is better than 16. 64 is better than 32. 128 is better than 64. 356 is better than 128. Uh, 
Damn. 356 times 2. 700, 708, 712. 712. 708. Whatever. 700 is better than, better than 400, right? 1,000 is better than 500. So that's, that's why I say that Dreza official is who asked the question. Um, is there more? 40, yeah, some, somewhere between 30 and 40, yeah. Uh, I can't say it right now because we're live on oh, YouTube and yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Um, is there, was there more to this question? And then he just went on to say, is it because of a safety or a tenant to leave? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. It just There's a little bit of a safety net. Um, just allows you to be more create, creative and gives you more. If one thing goes wrong, you got this, right? If that goes wrong, then you got this, right? So the more scenarios you can get into like that, you know, the better. Like when we have a, a um, I don't know, trying to just come up with another example another way to put this is something i always talk about is if you have a single family home you have one unit that's covering any leak that happens in that right you got any any leak that happens you get well same thing with a water heater if it goes out a lot of times a single family water heater you can use the same size water heater in a duplex and if it whatever right so if if one water heater goes out in a single family home you got one door covering that if this if the same water heater goes out in a duplex now you have two units that are covering that expense it costs you the same. It costs if we have to have a plumber come out to our property for a leak at the 10 unit, it costs the same to have them come out to our 88 unit. Which one does it affect more? It affects the 10 unit cash flow and the in the operation uh the financials at the 10 unit more than it does the 88 unit. That makes sense. That's another it's another thing, right? You got more doors covering covering uh problems and issues which inevitably always come up in real estate. So, next question, buddy. Favorite things to do besides real estate and watching football. This was from Ryder. Yeah. I don't know if I've uh, seen you talk about anything besides real estate. Or seen you, like, I guess. Maybe I, like to, I like to travel. I like to hang out with family. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I will watch, like, a Netflix show every now and then. Actually, like, since I've been married, I've watched a little bit more Netflix than prior. We usually, like, knock out an episode, like, I don't know, maybe, probably average an episode every other day or once a day or whatever. Uh, yeah, I've seen part of Ozark. What? You didn't watch it all? I didn't watch it all. I just, we can't. It, so that's the thing too. It's very hard. I'm like, usually if the TV goes on, I'm just like, I'm out. Cause to me, I'm not very engaged by it, but there are shows like billions succession, uh, undercover billionaire. Um, I'm very Queens gambit. We're watching right now. So we'll watch a little bit of a TV, you know, every now and then, um, no, I don't really watch too much. No, 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 no. Mudding's throwing out TV shows. I don't watch too much. I used to watch Mudding. I used to watch Shark Tank all the time. Then I felt like like Shark Tank became my life a little bit. So I'm like, I don't need to watch this because I'm doing it every day. Uh, so I don't watch much. They still make new episodes of Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't. I don't. I don't watch too much Shark Tank. It's been. I don't even remember the last time I watched a Shark Tank episode. Maybe like six years, seven years. Um, that was funny though. <laughs> uh. I'm just trying to think because I know like House of Cards when that was around, but I didn't even see the last two or three seasons of that. Um, I'm probably missing like an obvious one that we've forever, but I mean, I, it's 30% of the time I can watch like 30 minutes of TV and then I'm just like, I cannot, it's something that I can't stay awake for. So. Yeah. 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 So I don't, I mean, um, what else do I do? I mean, travel. Not much this last year. I haven't been on a plane actually, which this is crazy. I haven't been on a plane since it's been like a year. Um, 
travel, hang out with family, go to sporting events. I'll golf every now and then. I got four rounds in last year. Golf every now and then. Uh, anyway, next question. <laughs> Explanation on seller financing and a little more elaboration on how you got your second property. I wonder if we should just like, I wonder if we should put uh, one of the white pages right here. Can and change the angle if you want to do it right there? Let's do it. All right, I'll show you. I'm gonna try to get uh, Instagram involved. We'll draw, we'll draw this out a little bit. We're going rogue. We're going rogue. Let's see if I can do this. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm gonna go right here. Yeah, I can Marker. Oh, I got a marker. Uh, yeah, the, the whiteboard. We'll go through seller financing right now and how, how All right. Oh, is the mic going to be able to hear me? Yeah. We good? Yep. Now it's just going to pick it up a little bit louder. Okay. All right. Instagram can see me until my phone keeps falling. Let's see if that'll work. Hopefully that'll work. All right. Seller financing. Uh, so basically you have a capital stack anytime you're doing a deal, right? So let's say in the capital stack, that'll include the whole all in. So let's just say, um, I wanna use easy math. So let's just say it's a $100,000 purchase. So we got the purchase, can they read it? Yeah, all right, I don't know if Instagram can read it or not. It's probably backwards on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know if I can flip that. Can I mirror image that or no? Uh, can you, oh, your phone's falling. Damn, dude. Can you switch it around I can hold it for you? Yeah. All right, cool. Hold that for me. All right, let's say we got a purchase price of one hundred thousand dollars. Hundred million would be better. Let's just do a hundred million. All right, hundred million dollar purchase price. It doesn't matter how many zeros. It's just more zeros, right? I mean, ten thousand, yeah, yeah. hundred. It doesn't matter, right? So let's say you have the purchase price. Now the whole capital stack. That's also let's say it's a value add deal. And so let's say you're gonna do uh, um, let's say remodel or rehab. And you're gonna need you're gonna need another uh, in this scenario. In this scenario, let's say ten million bucks. All right, you got a total of hundred and ten million. Right now, how are you coming up with this hundred and ten million? That's that's the capital stack, right? So the cap with the capital stack, you know, you'll probably get about eighty percent of that will be a loan. I'm gonna say 75%. 75%, 110 million is what, 75 million, then you got 7.75, so ballpark 82.5. Don't be the calcul calculator police on me if I'm off a little bit, I'm doing it all in my head, okay? Ballpark, $82.5 million is a loan, that's one part of the capital stack, right? Then we have, um, then you've got you know down payment, right? Well, the rest is 25% down payment. With seller financing, I, as the buyer, or you, as the buyer, maybe you can get away with putting in 5%, right? So 5% from the buyer, which is the buyer's down payment, which would be, in this case, $5 million. And then, let's say you're able to get, 
which I've been able to do this before. I've been able to get sellers to hold anywhere from 10 to 20%, right? So 20% is gonna come from the seller. So now you've got ballpark um, 22 million. And this number, if my math is correct, which is, it's obviously, I don't think it is, but it, it'll equal the, the total, right? All the funds necessary to close a deal. This seller financing, how it works, because this is the question, I don't wanna get too far off the main question, but how the seller financing work is just like the loan, right? So this loan, right, you're gonna pay them back over time, right? Same thing with the seller. Now the thing is, is, is you can really only use seller financing in certain situations. Like if they can't have crazy amounts of debt on the property and you can't really use seller financing at that point. They have to have enough equity where, because most sellers want to be able to take something off the table, right? So in the deal where we, where I did seller financing, um, he had, it was like a $1.2 million, it was a $1.2 million deal. He only had $200,000 of debt on the deal. So in the capital stack, he was already walking away with a big chunk. So he had no problem hanging on to 20% because he was going to get most of his payout on the day that it closed because the bank is coming in, right, with funds. So then with this 20% that was treated just like, like I said before, just like this loan. So you're going to pay the seller back and those, those terms could be different. Like the loan up here, this, this loan might be a 30-year amortization and it might be like a 4% a interest rate, right? Um, and well, meanwhile, this, this might be more like, maybe it's a 30, maybe it's a 20, maybe it's a 10 year amortization, right? Maybe it's a five year. I don't know. It could be, we've done it before where it was a 30 year am, but there was a balloon payment after five years. So five year balloon. Explain so, that. so what that means is for the first five, I will Ryder, I will explain it. <laughs> So for the fi first five years, Ryder, tell me what to do. Like I haven't been in front of the camera before. So the first five, year, five years of the project, you're paying this guy back based on the terms, like just every single month. So like what, you know, each, each, each seller financing deal we've done, it was just every single month, it was you know, determined up front. But then it was a five year, it was either a two year, five year balloon, right? So the only time I'm also doing this deal is when I know I have value there that I can add to the property so that I can refinance then to get this guy out when that balloon comes, right? So it has to kind of be a unique uh, situation. Does this make sense, Maudine? Yeah. Maudine's like raw into real estate, so does this yeah, make sense no, to you at all or no? No. No, he's just being the executive producer of the uh, the show, so he's checking to make sure the, the stuff is good, our internet connection's good, and we're still streaming. Uh, Ryder, does it make sense to you though? Yeah, yeah. A little bit? Yeah. Um, so when the five-year balloon hits, now what'll happen is hopefully, right, Hopefully now you've raised this to being valued at one a uh, hundred and a hundred and uh, let me just do some math one hundred and fifty million dollars, right? There's deals like that out there. Not as much today, but there are deals like that out there. There were when I was doing the seller financing things. I haven't done seller financing in a while now. Um, but say you become it becomes worth one hundred fifty million. Well, now it's easy to refinance this, get the balloon taken care of. Um, and then take your proceeds, put some back into that property to keep fixing it up and go do a different deal, right? So, right of that, good? Yeah, yeah. people okay. in the comments said that, super helpful. Okay, cool, all right. All right. I'll flip this back around.
see if he, uh, trying to do this now. Someone said they're trying to do it now. Uh, let's see. And then if you want to get the next question up there, I just want to see if we have anything. Okay, so we have some other questions in here. What time do you have to leave, Ryder? Um, we're good. 2.25. Oh, okay. We got time. We got nothing but time. We got nothing but time. All right. So this is the last question on you, or from, yeah, from pre-questions, but then we have during questions. Anything from the live? No, no one's watching. No one's watching on the live YouTube. All right. Building businesses while interpersonal business is not in sync. What does that mean? Like just their life is not in sync? Or like their, I guess I don't, huh? What'd you say? No, I, I was saying is the uh, stream key. No, 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 stream key's right. It's, it's live. Yeah, there's people in Building, chat. building. So building business while interpersonal business is not in sync. I don't know if, unless the person that asked this question is watching, I don't know if I know how to answer this because I'm not sure if I know uh, what they mean. Let's, say like, and, let's just say like busy with school. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what, that's what I'm assuming they mean is just like they might be having family issues. They, yeah, they're, they, they got other things going on in life. Um, I mean, you know, when you're building a business, if you want it to be successful, it's got to be a priority. Now, I said a priority, not the priority. Um I don't know. It's such a hard one because I've always been fortunate enough where I haven't had like crazy interpersonal life things happen, um, you know, but I, I just truly believe, I guess, I guess maybe because I look at it differently than most people. Um, I, I, I truly think that you have time to do whatever it is that's truly important to you. So if you're finding that, you know, you don't have time to build the business. And it could be like, you might be going through some crazy issues with health, family health. Like if people in my family got sick, I don't know what, how, I don't know how I'd react. Maybe I wouldn't show up to the office for two weeks because I'd have to take care of that stuff. I don't know, right? Um, but you, you gotta make the business, it's gotta be a priority if it's gonna, it, it's a living, breathing organism that needs to be paid attention to. And if it's not paid attention to, it's gonna go away. That's the main thing, right? And so you have to ask yourself why you're doing it, right? And, and it's always, you're always gonna come into, what I call like smaller excuses. Um, like if you're talking about your interpersonal, it's so like when I think of interpersonal issues, I think of like the worst of the worst. Cause like so many of the small things just don't, just don't really, uh, don't bother me too much. Right. I don't, I don't really worry about like, like I don't really worry about dinner time. I don't really worry about like, you know, the small, there's certain small things in life that people get so anxious and worried about. Um, some of the smaller details that I just, that really are, are rather insignificant. Something that don't necessarily need to be worried. When I think of interpersonal issues, I'm thinking about like, you know, your parent getting sick, your parent passing away. Like that's the stuff that I view that can really be, and yes, you need to take care of those, those big things in life that, that are truly life-changing or, you know, have, have significant impact or significant consequences if you ignore them. Um, but it, but the business as well, like there's gotta be times that you can escape, that you need to escape from interpersonal issues, right? So if you're having interpersonal issues, let the time at business be about the business and focus on the business to let it be your escape, right? And then when you go home at night, if you have the interpersonal issues, make sure that you're focusing on those and taking care of those interpersonal issues uh, and not worrying about your business, not taking a phone call after six or not, you know, not doing some of those things. So being smart with your time when you need to be. 
you know, I'm always talking about work-life balance and all that stuff as far as like, I don't really believe in work-life balance. I believe in integrating it all, but that doesn't mean I'm right. And that's what you should do. So I think that's the, that's an issue too. When you talk about like work-life balance, like I think it just needs to be up to each individual and what each individual loves doing and what makes them happy. But at the same time, like if you're going to decide that you're going to stop doing business at, or, or work at X time during the day, whether it's five o'clock or six o'clock, like that will impact your business. It won't allow you to grow perhaps as fast as you want to grow. When I was first starting these businesses, I was working from 6am to 2am. And I mean, you know, I, and I still now today, my timing's a little bit different because being married and you know, all that stuff. So I, I don't like, I'm more, more diligent about being home between six and seven um, and, and trying to be much more present at home until nine or 10. And then sometimes like I'm still, even later at night, I'm still doing things. When we closed this big deal, there were longer days I just, because I had to, I had no choice. Right. So I would work from, you know, six to eight or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but then like on the weekends, I would just, I would be able to disconnect from it. Um, so it's just being able to make, I don't know. I don't know if I can, it's a hard question. It's a hard question. Cause if there's things that are really bothering you in life that are very significant and very important to you, such as, you know, your family and someone's sick. I don't know how to answer that question. It's going to be hard. And I, I just know that it's going to be hard. And I just know that if you have any interpersonal business, large or small, that takes your attention away from the business, the business will suffer, obviously. Right. And I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing or a good or a bad trade off. That's just, that's evident. So, all right. The other question that we had come through, we had a couple questions come through. What did YouTube say, actually? So, actually, Gregory Martin on YouTube Live said on its $110 million deal, how would you raise capital on the buyer position? The $5 million, um, okay. Um, back to the drawing board. Ooh, just shocked the mic, did you guys hear that? Um, so we're talking right now, uh, what's his name, Doug? Greg. <laughs> Greg said on the $110 million deal, how would I raise capital on the buyer portion? So this scenario would be the $5 million. That's what he's talking about right there, how I would do that. I mean, that's how we've done it. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll usually put in where from 100 to 300. That's me. And we've got, um, and we usually have two other GPs do it other GP. we'll put in a combination of on five million it'd probably be so five million i'd probably do somewhere right in the middle there on on five million they'd probably put in you know a total of another um i would say on that size deal 100k to it'd be about the same three hundred fifty thousand dollars. so total from the gps you know we're probably we'll probably be like right in the middle so let's just call it 200 per person there's three of us so let's call it 600 thousand right now that leaves us with 4.4 so how we come up with other 4.4 is lps so general partners right general partners we're, we're responsible for landing the deal getting the deal uh we're responsible for signing on the bank loans none of our limited partners have to sign on the bank loans right they don't have to talk to the bank at all they basically fill out our documents our subscription agreement they look through our personal uh or the the um uh all the memorandums and all that stuff. They look through all of our documents. They do, they see like projections and all that stuff, right? They sign and they'll, they'll send in their money. 
So this will make up the other 4.4 million, right? Now, how this works, the LPs, they get, they get a 6% preferred, preferred return. And actually, our money that we put in is actually treated just like this, right? So we take that money and we actually invest on the same terms that the LPs money come in at. They get a 6% preferred return. Then what happens is it's a 70-30 split with remaining cash. So a 70-30 split, the 70 goes to the limited partners, the 30 goes up to the general partnership. Right, so now we're, we're incentivized to make this thing, make that thing perform. Like if we get that thing to be worth $150 million, we got a big time payout coming. Right, if we, if we buy, we bought Springdale for $18 million, total capitalization was like $20 million with the rehab budget and all that stuff. If we're able to hit the plans and hit, get anywhere near within 10 years, seven to 10 years, a, a 28 to $30 million valuation there, we'll get paid a lot because the LPs are gonna make, they'll make two and a half to three times their initial investment. So then after that, that goes, this goes right here, this 70, goes until they hit a 12% annualized return. Then after that 12% annualized return, it's a 50-50 split, 50 to the LPs, 50, up here. So that's how we do it. Something not working? No, he was just talking about your Instagram live Facebook. Oh shit. People on people on here were like, oh man. Yeah, you can set up oh, yeah. here. So so just a quick recap because I know the people watching on YouTube are gonna want the recap and the people on Instagram want the recap because they missed the whole thing. So if we're raising Greg back to Gregory's question, we got five million dollars coming from a buyer in the previous example. He's like, how do you come up with the five million? Our general partners, so myself and those two of our GPs, we put in, you know, ballpark on that size deal, six hundred thousand to a million bucks. That six hundred thousand to a million bucks is treated the same way as our limited partners. The difference between general partners and limited partners: general partners are gonna, they're, they're the GPs, they're the ones finding the deals, doing the due diligence, getting the loan, signing on the loan. The LPs, they just write the check. They sign our documents, um, our operating agreement, our subscription agreement, and they write the check. They do not have to sign on any loans. They don't have to talk to any banks. They don't have to pick up the phone for maintenance. Um, our other GPs don't have to pick up the phone for maintenance either. But What's the difference between GP and LP? General partner, limited partner. Okay. So the general partners are the ones signing on the okay. docs, uh, are the ones getting the loan, right, securing the debt. The limited partners, the LPs, are the people that are just signing the doc, signing our operating agreements, the funds op operating agreements. Um, and a subscription agreement, and then they write the check. This $4.4 million, you know, it'll come from, it'll come from 10, 15, 20 different investors. So these investors, they'll, they'll, they'll write checks into us anywhere from 50,000 up to, you know, on a deal like this, up to two, two million. Um, so then what they're getting on this, they get a 6% preferred return annually. Then after the 6% ret preferred return, it's a 70, 30 split, 70% of the leftover cash after that goes to the limited partners. 30% of the cash that's left over after that 6% preferred return goes to the general partnership. Now that's money coming to the general partnership that we didn't have to trade dollars for, right? But we're the one performing, we're the one with the most risk because we're signing on with the bank, we're doing all that stuff. We're putting, we're allowing people to invest in, you know, deals 
that are 300 units that they would never be able to invest in by, their, by themselves, right? Then after the 70-30 split, that happens until the limited partners get to a 12% annualized return. At that point, we have another split 50-50 with the remaining cash, 50% to the limited partners, 50% to the general partnership. So the general partnership is really, we're incentivized to make these things perform, which is also why we have the operate, we, we, I also have a management company, because I want to make sure that these things are performing, that they're going in the directions that they need to be. I saw a property today, by the way, over by Springdale, that is just crappy. It's like, they have it listed for like $135,000 a unit. So, yeah, anyway. Um, big worm That's asks, good for Springdale, by the way. Uh, big Worm asks, how do you find these LPs? Big Worm plays for the uh, Steelers. Really? Yeah, yeah. Chris Wormley. Um, what do you ask? Um, how do you find these LPs? Um, I mean, I'm basically, so I'm doing a podcast, right? I don't just do these podcasts for fun. Like, yes, I love helping other people learn, but this is this is branding. This is marketing. Everything that I was doing, I was putting out on, on Instagram, Facebook, starting back in 2012. People started to see the transparency, see that, oh, he shares the good stuff and the bad stuff. They were seeing my results. Um, so before anyone was really joined with us, I was having success, right? And now I'm promoting, you promote that track record. Right, and so I promote that track record. I tell people what we're doing. I tell people we take on investors. The minimum is fifty thousand dollars. They got to be accredited, but we do have people that write us two million dollar equity checks. I let people hear that, and then I just you know going back to the sales process that we talked about in the last episode. If you haven't seen episode eight, go check it out. We talk about the sales process, not just the sit. We talk about the sales process being more than the sales pitch, or greater than the sales pitch, more important than the sales pitch. Um, then it's just the sales process, right? So now I'm following up with those people. I'll put them in my database. I'll follow up with them. Whenever we have another deal coming up, I'll say, hey, I'll send out an email. It goes to 350 plus people. They all see it. You know, 20% of them will respond. The other ones don't respond to that one, and that's fine. Can you hear me through that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So, So it's just continuing to be able to follow up, promote yourself, promote the track record, promote what you're doing. And, um, you know, people become rather, I mean, We've been able to do deals now, like where right now, actually, the, the problem isn't actually the money. The problem is actually finding the, the best deals to do that is going to two, you know, 2.25 to 3x investor uh, money that, that invest the LP's money um, in five to 10 years. So you get to a point where once you have a track record and you're promoting it, you just, you know, a lot of it's word of mouth, too. There's we have a handful of investors. I would say 20 percent of our investors I've never even talked to. Um, they've got a friend that's invested in us uh, in three or four deals with us and they recommended uh, the friend to us and the friend basically sent us a couple emails. I sent them an email on the projections and they'll write a $100,000 check. So a lot of the people that are investing with us though, they have they have significant resources and, and money where you know they're looking, they have access, they're looking to get their money really working for them. Um, and so they're, you know, these these assets and stuff like that, I mean, it, you know, these these properties are, there's a lot of money that are looking for deals that we're trying to find that are off market and all this stuff. So we try to find really good deals and, and do a really good job. And But the biggest thing is just promoting, promote, 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 follow up, you know, going back to the to the to to what I talked about in episode eight, where I'm not just talking to someone two times, three times if they say no. Like if they're telling me no, take me off the list, I'm taking them off the list, I'm putting them on the other list that I'm not gonna follow up with them every time or I'm not gonna get them an email as often as the main list does, but they're gonna still get an email from me in the future. So that's 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 kind of that. 
Um, I can take it. Yeah, it's on fire. I'm, it's hot in here. It is really warm. But yeah, that's a good que question, Chris. Uh, Jennifer on Instagram asked, also, can you get a small business loan for a commercial prop, commercial multifamily property if you are going to run it as an Airbnb? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I know we were able to get an SBA loan for a storage unit deal. Uh, but I do not know about Airbnb. Uh, how many years, another question through Instagram, how many years of positive rental cash flow before you can refinance and have it count towards your ratio? Depends on the size of the property. Um, you know, and right now with COVID, it's a little bit longer, but you know, if something's been stabilized for three months, six months, you know, nine months, usually, usually that six to nine months window will work. Um, but it, it, it again, it depends on your relationship and, and track record with the, with the lender that you have. If you, if it's the first deal you've done, that's going to naturally be a little bit longer, whether it's 12 months, 18, 24 months. Um, but as you as you become more successful, have more of a track record and grow, then you'll be able to uh, refinance earlier if you choose to. Um, then there was another question that Chris had. Big Worm 43 says, uh, in the process of buying a four unit with a personal mortgage, but want to eventually transfer over to LLC, have you done that? And what's the process? I've So I've never done that. Um, I know that you can do that, though. Uh, you just have to work with the, the right... What were you gonna say? That's what I'm. Well, so you're buying it personally? Yeah. Yeah. But I would have had to do a commercial. So, like in a couple of years, you'll refinance and try to. And I'm not, I'll, just, I'll just deed it over to my LLC. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So now I know this, Chris. It's 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 harder to go the other way. Uh, not that you ever would. Well, you get to a certain level, and and there might be a some there might be someone that would want to do that, but going the other way is harder. Um, and would throw up more red flags. Um, someone on here said, can people invest with you? Yes, people can invest with me. They got to be accredited and they have to, they have to, um, show that they're accredited and they have to check out our offering memorandums and, and, and all that stuff. Um, I, saw, I thought there was one other question I saw on here. What resources would you use to become really proficient in tax strategies? Um, I mean, Rich Dad Poor Dad was a great one to start that. Um, I don't know. I what what I would do. I just started watching different YouTube videos and just. I mean, anything that goes through your business is a tax write off, right? So then on top of it, if you're a you know, it's so like when we buy trucks for Prime Painters, we buy it and this last this last truck I bought in cash. So here's where I don't really like debt is in an operating business. Um, so this last Prime Painters truck we bought in cash and we'll be able to write the entire thing off this year, right? We'll be able to fully depreciate that uh, asset this year. So it's just being smart about how you're, you know, if, if, if the less that you can have in your personal name, the better, which makes it nearly impossible for me to go out and get a regular mortgage on a single family home, by the way, because of how banks and stuff look at that stuff. Um, but you want to own, personally, you want to own nothing and control everything. And so if you can get that in your mindset, I know that doesn't directly answer your question, but if, if uh, this was another Greg, this was another Greg. Greg is watching in both places? Greggio Martin and, and Gregory Martin. I don't know. 
Greg, that's amazing. <laughs> if you're watching in both places, man, I love you. This is awesome. Uh, wow. It's got to be. It's got to be the same guy. That's amazing. Um, so, Greg, if you can get that, if you can understand, and, get, and, and everyone that's watching, if you can get that in your mind, which is so hard for people to understand, if personally you can own nothing, but you control everything. So you should have everything through LLCs. That's my opinion. Everything that you have should be through LLCs. I, if you looked at like personally what I have, it's, it's all through holding companies and all that stuff. I have, I have next to like, I have like this much held personally. I have no assets. I don't think any assets held personally. Well, I did buy some Bitcoin the other day. Really? So I'm going to start buying. Yeah. I'm going to start probably buying like uh, once a week. Wow. So just put like 500 to a thousand bucks a week and so we'll see i'm not banking on that I never thought I would hear it's it's words, it's right? i'm allowing i'm it's one that i'm okay with now after because i spent some time learning i spent some time watching and talking to a couple other friends who are super successful with it and really understand it um and i'm like you know what coinbase yeah i'm not on that doge though just, just, just a little bit of Bitcoin. So, uh, Greg, going back to your question, like, if you, um, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Own nothing personally. This is how you get ahead in t the tax strategy. This is how you can use the tax strategies. Use not have nothing in your name personally, yet control everything. Someone like one might be one. Because, uh. As a person, a person is taxed the most. Corporations, LLCs, there's so many different tax benefits. So like, like if you, so if I go have a personal meal, so let's say I make $100,000 in a year, personally, my salary, right? And I wanna go have a, have a meal, I wanna go and it's gonna cost 100 bucks for my family or whatever, I pay for that. And it's just a personal expense, whatever, no business was discussed, right? Just going to have fun, I don't have a business to run it through. Um, that $100, like, that does not lower your taxable income. You're still, the IRS will look, oh, you still made $100. It doesn't, or you still made $100,000 or $30,000 or $20,000 or $50,000, $100,000 since you don't have, that's not an LLC, that does not lower your taxable income. So you're still paying tax on that full 100000 Now, there are almost all the time we're talking about business. When I go to eat, we're, we're planning the next acquisition. We're talking about current properties. We're talking about new business opportunities. We're, we're, we're reviewing, you know, every time we go to a freaking restaurant, we happen to be, you know, re reviewing the, the rent rolls on our phone and like the financial statements on our phone. And so, you know, not every time, but I'll say 95% of the time that I eat, it's a business that's paying for it. So one of our LLCs is paying for it. My personal LLC, if it's about stuff with that, is paying for it. Spalding Group, if it's about Spalding Group and planning for Spalding Group's future growth, Spalding Group's paying for it. Now, when Spalding Group has $100,000 of revenue come in, right, which I control, I'm not Spalding Group. This is a thing, too, is I'm not Spalding Group. Spalding Group's its own thing. I control it, but it's not me. Spalding Group has $100,000 of revenue come in in a month, and let's say that there was five business meals in there for a total of 500 bucks. That 100000 the taxable income now is, is uh, 99500 
because the 500 is deducted. It's called a tax write-off, right? So it's just, and that was just a very, very basic, but it's the same thing when we buy a truck, right? If I go buy a truck personally and I make $100,000, I pay cash for that truck. I still, the IRS looks at me and I still made $100,000. They're not taking the $18,000 off the 100. Prime Painters goes out and this month, if they do $100,000 of revenue, Modine's like watching the screen, looking back at me. Modine, you're just happy. I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Prime Painters go, makes does $100,000 of revenue, right? They go out and buy $18,000 truck in cash. That truck, we buy used trucks around here. Uh, <laughs> that that $18,000 lowers the taxable income. So now, and so does the painter's wages, by the way. So does like the office space and the rent, right? So... If you go to a dinner, do you yeah, yeah. Well, come on now. That what if you're talking? If if it's for if you're going home, if you're taking that meal home and talking about business, yeah. What if you're yeah? Then you can yeah. Now, if you once again, I'm I'm honest with it, but it's it's true when you're doing when you're in business and you got you know multiple multiple businesses going up. I I don't remember the last time that me and my dad didn't talk something about business the last time we ate. Same thing with me and my wife, it comes up. I mean, if I, my stepdaughter has some cash flow, like, and she, so we're talking about apartment, like every, it's, all, it's, it's, it's who you are. So this goes back to like that interpersonal question. Like, I don't know, I, it's such a hard question for me to answer because I have a hard time separating stuff out. I, my life is integrated. So, you know, if I go, you know, a golf membership and if it's a golf membership where I'm only taking people out to strictly talk business and to land deals and to close deals right is that every time no is it most of the time yeah because that's what I'm doing it so so uh, you can you can you have to just have to document it correctly so like I have Quicken that I use. So like some of those things that are a little bit more not necessarily for. So like some of the things that are more for like Justin Spalding and like some of the things I do in direct sales and, and all that stuff. That's not ran through Spalding Group. That's not ran. But I have a I have a kind of like a personal LLC that I'll run that stuff through. Thinking like in my perspective, like so I don't use my credit card. I use a debit card through the LLC. Well, that's fine. You can still use a debit card. Right, right. And even even if it's cash, like I I don't use cash hardly ever. But if if it is cash, like actually, the times I will use cash if it is like a personal thing. Typically, I'll just. Yeah. But even if you do use cash, you can still keep the receipt. See, like and I don't even keep all the receipts anymore. I mean, because I have the American Express statement, right? That it shows everything that's on there, right? And you categorize it. So and then and then I categorize everything and and everything's in Quicken. And then at that tax season, I just send it all over and it's all categorized based on, cause like dining, I take that back. I lied about the dining thing. The dining thing is only like 50% of what you spend you can write off. So you can't write off the full amount. So now someone's gonna see just that clip and they're like, oh, you can't do it. I'm like, I know. But so there's certain things like that, but the truck, yeah, hundred percent. Like your salary and then the taxes that I have to pay on your salary, which you didn't know about until we had that conversation either. Ryder's like, wait, you have to pay? T yeah, yeah, dude, it's called payroll tax. Um, and like, you know, if, if uh, you know, one of our employees has health insurance, the portion that Spalding, you know, Prime Painters or Spalding Group pay, pays, like that's a, that's a tax write-off, right? So every expense, the business, the office space, tax write-off, right? So. So Greg, damn, Greg is lighting it up over here. Yeah, he's in both places.
Greg! Gregory Martin. That's awesome, dude. He's watching on Instagram Live and on YouTube Live. Greg's hustling. Let's go, he says. Uh, just looking through other... Yeah, and then Greg said that's why Grant Cardone was able to write off his jet. Yes. So we're in the country looking for deals. Yeah, she ran off a jet. Yeah. No hesitation. <laughs> um, another question on here was, I own a concrete company and I own five units right now. How do you feel about property management when it comes to allocating your time to your main business? Spatty 30, it just depends, man. Like if you think, if, if um, see, and I'm a little backwards, Spatty, because I started, I had, you know, the, the property management company and then we started the painting business. Um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, like you can do both. Uh, but you just got to be aware of like how far in the weeds are you willing to allow yourself to get? That's why I wanted to scale. So this is another thing against the people that are that question me, like, dude, why why are you saying bigger is better? Because bigger is better. I can afford, I can afford to get people who are awesome at their job, awesome at things that I suck at, like the finance, like doing all the details on the financials. We have Ava, like all the actual operational stuff. Ninety nine percent of it, like on site of the properties, we have CJ. Like I, if I had five units, I would not be able to have Ava or a CJ on board on our team whooping butt every single day. It would be me every single day doing everything and the things that I'm not best at. I know what I'm best at. That's growing. That's it's branding. It's marketing. It's sales. It's putting deals together and getting investors. That's what I'm best at flat out. I am not the best person when it comes to the details of on-site property management. I am not the best person when it comes to the details and the doing of the financial statements. I am not the best person. I understand it all. I know how it all works because I've done each role as we've grown, but no one can like pull one over on me or BS me or whatever, right? I know the process, but to be actually doing it doesn't make any sense for me because I know what I'm best at and what it's way more beneficial for me to have someone pay someone well and have them be excellent at what they do, let them roll with it. Yes, we have our checks and balances, and yes, it doesn't mean I'm just letting it fly. While I can still go out and raise, you know, ten million dollars to do a thirty-three million dollar deal. There's no, it's no doubt that that me going out to do that deal and getting that done is way more beneficial than me focusing on some other things. So, Spatty Thirty, like, I, I think like, um, you know, here's the other thing, Spatty. If you have five units and if you have a third-party manager, that property is not going to have the the best results. If if we had some other property manager, like a third party company managing the 10 unit, we wouldn't have been able to buy the 10 unit for 600,000 two years ago and have it listed for 1.3 today. We wouldn't have been able to buy those first eight units for a total of like 390,000 and sell them for 610 a few, a few years later. Because it just so happens that when you have fee-based managers that are third party management, they do not care as much as you. They care about the fee and the management fee. And this isn't everybody, but a vast majority, um, they they care about the fee that they get, but they don't care about your property as much as you do, obviously. They're not as financially uh, involved, right? So the, of the actual success, meaning of the, of the buying of it and then the actual cash flow of it and then the actual sale of the asset. So I need to get like another holder for my phone. All right, uh, what are, see if we have any other questions over here. Thoughts on roof stack? Roofstock as a platform and turnkey. I don't know what that is, so I don't have a comment uh, on it. 
Another question. When did you acquire your first set of units and how many doors? It was 2013. It was four units. Then the very next year, like nine months later, bought the four units right next door to it. That's that question. How hard is it to set up a real estate fund for investors to invest? Um, I mean, I know the, the first deal that we did, because now we use kind of the same structure. The first deal we did, those documents were probably, I don't know, $20,000, $30,000 or something like that. All the documents and the time and stuff that we had professional help. Um, so, but I've come to learn that just, you know, attorney fees and stuff is just part of the gig. I mean, this last deal we closed, like it, it takes money. It takes money to set some of those things up correctly. Right. Um, so that's, it wasn't necessarily hard. It just had to figure out what you want, what you think is going to work. And then you have to have the professional team, AKA the attorneys and accountants there to help you to make sure that you're inbounds. Right. Um, and doing everything the right way. I never want to do something the wrong way intentionally, right? I want to put every effort. We Not that we do everything correctly 100% of the time, just because there's there's so much, right? So we're not perfect. I'm not saying we're perfect. Uh, but I never want to intentionally be negligent or whatever. I want to do things at high standard as best as possible. So it wasn't super hard. You're going to have some time and some money uh, getting it set up initially. And then if you can keep you know, kind of the same structure, it's less and less. Uh, but once again, when you're doing these big deals anyways, the last big deal we did, I think our, you know, the last deal we closed in um, a month ago, I think our attorney fees were like $70,000 or something like that. So you're just going to have costs like that. Uh, someone said on here, their question was four hundred to $500,000 three bed in Tampa for Airbnb. Do you know or have any thoughts on the market? Nope, I don't. I, I'm not a fan of Airbnb, so I'm probably the wrong person to talk to about that. I, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a time and place for it. Man, we had more questions come in. Uh, someone just said, I just set up an S corp and have her streams of income from the LLCs go through it for tax purposes. Yeah, that's a, you got to talk to accountant about that or something. Uh, someone else asked on here, this guy's a realtor. Uh, would you recommend a net, uh, would you recommend a newborn pick? What? Would you recommend a newborn pick a strategy, then a market or f market first, then strat? Oh, newbie, he, newbie. Uh, would I recommend a newbie pick a strategy than a market or a market first than a strategy? Um, I think the strategy is most important because I could take the strategy that I have and go to multiple markets. But there's deals in every single market. So don't think, you know, don't think you have to be in just one place. Hey, Ryan, what's up, man? The property behind me is Signature 23. Uh, Ava asked, why not Robin Hood? <laughs> I think she's semi-joking, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about that. Yeah. You and heard it? Or yeah. Did yeah. It... yeah. Uh... Okay, I think that's it. Do you guys have any other questions? No? So the plan for next week then, like right now actually, we'll do the, get the multi-stream set up so that we can come live to people uh, 
next week, like three or four or five different places, and then hopefully be able to branch out from there. Dang it, I was gonna get Clubhouse. At the, I have the iPhone charging in there. I was gonna get this fired up on Clubhouse. I forgot. So here's another question. Uh, someone's Greg Martin again. Resources for doing background research on properties, finding contact information for a property owner if you locate a property that is distressed. Um, I'm tight on time, so the first one, the resources on doing background research on properties. I mean, you have to get the trailing 12, you wanna get the rent rolls, you wanna get uh, the, the five year of insurance loss runs. So you can see if there's been insurance issues there and make sure that those, prop, that those problems have been probably uh, taken care of. We get all the utilities bill, utility bills for the last 18 months, 12 to 18 months, uh, to make sure that what the owner is reporting is somewhat correct. Um, we use an app called, this last one we used Info Tycoon to be able to do our uh, in-unit uh, inspections. And then finding contact information for a property owner if you locate a property that is distressed. Take the address, write it down, go to the either the city, the county, the town, the state. There's, there's a place that you can look up tax records or tax parcels, and then you should be able to type in the address, and it basically will pull up the owner, and if it's an individual, you'll go to the white pages. You have to get a subscription to white pages. You gotta pay $4.99 a month, $4.99 a month for a white pages subscription, and you can search that person and then It'll give them their, it'll either give you their business phone or cell phone. You just got to start calling, bing, 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 call. Um, and then um, if it's an LLC, then what you have to do is go to the state, depending on the state that you're in, it's different everywhere. Go to the state and you should be able to look up the LLC. And then there will be a registered agent on there and that always has to be a person. So then you can track that down. Now, sometimes that person will be the person, the actual owner's attorney or manager or you know whatever. But um, yeah, that's how you find that stuff. Someone else asked, any internship opportunities? I'm a real estate student at the University at the, at the University of Central Florida. Yeah, probably. Um, Rob ASAP, do this. Shoot me an email, Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, at spaldinggroup.com, S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G-G-R-O-U-P. Tell me you're Rob from Instagram Live, looking for internship opportunity, and you go to Central Florida, I'll remember, obviously. Uh, and let's see what happens. That being said, this has been uh, fun. I enjoy doing this. This is like one of the highlights of my week right now. Uh, I love doing the podcast. I have, I have a lot of fun with it. Um, feel free to shoot us questions anytime to add on to next week's show as we're coming at you live weekly. Uh, but that that being said, we're going to sign off. Justin, Justin Spaulding, episode nine, signing off. Have a great week. Oh, we're not at the weekend yet. Have a great rest of your week and a great weekend. We'll talk to you later.